This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. I'm Cecilia Lay, and this is Fifth Emission. Contra Costa County is home to John Muir Health. It's a nonprofit community health system that serves patients in the region, as well as parts of Alameda and Solana counties. In 2012, John Muir Health wanted to expand their services. The hospital formed a multi-million dollar partnership with Stanford, an institution that's well known for its pediatric care in the South Bay. In a marketing video, John Muir highlighted the benefits of the partnership. Families can come and they don't have to drive for hours or seek lodging. Whether it's a routine surgery or an emergency surgery or routine preventive care or urgent care, they have access to world-class care in their own backyard. The partnership would also allow John Muir to bring in doctors to treat more urgent and complex pediatric cases in the East Bay. One of those cases was two-year-old Eileen Jong, who was diagnosed with stage four liver cancer in 2019. Her parents, Tom and Truco Jong, sought care for Eileen from John Muir Health. That included a risky and complicated operation known as a liver resection. The Jongs were told they'd receive the same quality of care as they would at Stanford. Tragically, Eileen died on the operating table, and her parents haven't received a lot of answers in the two years since. A Chronicle investigation by reporters Matias Gaffney and Cynthia Dizikas discovered that in the weeks before the surgery, a medical director at John Muir had warned that the hospital wasn't equipped to execute Eileen's specialized liver procedure. Today on Fifth Emission, Matias and Cynthia joined me to talk about their investigation of John Muir Health and the care it provided to Eileen Jong. They've reviewed thousands of pages of medical records and other documents. They've also conducted extensive interviews with Eileen's parents, Tom and Trucot, who you'll hear from in this episode. You'll also hear from Dr. Alicia Kalamis, the former medical director who said she warned hospital leaders about the surgery. Kalamis has since filed a lawsuit against John Muir Health, alleging that the hospital placed profit ahead of patient safety. A warning for listeners. This is a tough and sensitive topic about a child's death and a family's journey with grief. Some parts of this episode may be graphic and difficult to listen to. Matias and Cynthia, thank you for joining me. Sure. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Let's begin by understanding how this Chronicle investigation started. Matias, how did you become aware of the Jong family's case and what happened to their daughter, Ailee? Back in January, I reported on a whistleblower doctor who used to work at John Muir, and she had filed a lawsuit, and I wrote a story about that. She was alleging that essentially that she was being ignored with safety warnings that she was making to higher-ups at John Muir and that they were putting profit over patient safety. And one of her examples in her lawsuit, it really intrigued me, though, because it just mentioned how a child had gone in for surgery and she had warned that if they did this surgery, this child would die. And yet they still went ahead with it. She alleged that it was because this was 
something where that would vault them into the, you know, Children's Hospital Oakland's and Lucille Packard Children's Hospitals of the world, the big leagues of children's hospitals. So they went ahead with it still, and the child died on the operating table. That child turned out to be Eileen Jong. And before we get into the details of her case, I understand that both of you, as well as Chronicle photographer Bronte Whitpen, spent quite a bit of time with the parents, Tom and Trucot. Cynthia, they called Eileen a miracle baby. Can you share a little bit about their story? Yeah, so Tom and Truco met in Canada, where they're both from, and in 2012, they moved to the Bay Area with their two daughters. And when we spoke to the Jongs, they described how challenging it was to conceive Eileen. We wanted another one. We wanted a third child. We actually uh, tried a few times. Truco went through a couple of miscarriages. I said I didn't want her to go through that anymore. So we had just kind of stopped and given up. And then ID happened. A miracle, baby. So, so we, we've always kind of thought that she was a gift. We, the, the, we, we were very excited, but I was, I was getting older. So even through Eileen's pregnancy, there was just always that concern for us, you know. When she was born, she was healthy. And so really, really grateful for that. Eileen's parents described her as such a joyful child, and she brought a lot of happiness to the family. Man, she was the best baby. She was so, always happy. Say, Daddy. Say good morning, Daddy. Morning, Daddy. What's your name? You know, so for them, she was this completion of the family, you know, the family they had always envisioned. But then everything changes in the summer of 2019. What happens then? The Jong family takes a trip to Las Vegas, and that's when they noticed something was really wrong with Eileen. A day into the trip, Eileen started complaining that she had tummy aches, like owie tummy. That's what she would say. Owie tummy. So we monitored her. She didn't want to go in the pool. She didn't want to do the river um, and waited for about a day. A day or so. It got to the point where... She was in a lot of pain. It was in a lot of pain and she didn't even, she didn't even want to walk anymore. She, she would just want to sit there. Yeah, she couldn't move. Eventually, Tom and Truco take Eileen to the ER in Las Vegas and they receive some devastating news. They said, you should probably have a seat. So they explained that it was in her appendix that when they did the scan, they found a large mass where her liver was. We never thought, we, we just Not never, in a million years. We just never thought that, you know, it would be cancer. Eileen was diagnosed with stage four liver cancer, which requires aggressive chemotherapy as well as a removal of the right half of her liver. Matthias, tell me more about this procedure. This is a very complex one, right? Yeah, absolutely. We talked to experts who basically said this is something that a specialized team, there's only a certain number of them across the country who perform these types of procedures, and that they are the ones qualified to handle such a surgery. And I mean, the liver in general is a very fragile organ. It's incredibly susceptible to bleeding. When you're uh, resecting half of the liver, you got to be careful, you know, that bleeding doesn't start. And Part of it also is that a liver also creates um, the proteins that help your body clot blood. So when you're doing a surgery, you're stopping your body's natural um, production of these proteins that help your blood clot. And oftentimes you have to add through, through transfusions these clotting factors um, to help prevent such bleeding. So yeah, it's an incredibly complex procedure that she was going through. But at the same time, they were very optimistic with this plan of attack that she could live a full life. So at this point, Eileen is in need of this serious, complex procedure. 
Cynthia, tell me more about John Muir Health, the hospital where Eileen receives her care. In Contra Costa County, in the Bay Area, John Muir Health is extremely well known. It's a massive hospital system, and they're a nonprofit community health organization. And they have provided pediatric care for a very long time. But in 2012, they started this partnership with Stanford Children's Health. And that partnership was geared to bringing Stanford-level care and expertise to John Muir and to Contra Costa County. So the idea was very much pitched to parents just like the Jongs who were looking for top-notch care in their backyard. What made the Jongs ultimately decide to move forward with John Muir Health for their daughter's care? Yeah, so um, you can imagine when they got this diagnosis in August 2019, they were reeling. And the first place they looked, right, they knew their daughter had a very serious case. She's obviously a child. The first place they look was Stanford Children's Health because they have one of the most prestigious children's hospitals in the Bay Area, if not the country. And so as they were looking through pediatric oncologists, they noticed that one of the pediatric oncologists was actually stationed at John Muir Health in Walnut Creek, which is, you know, just 15 miles away from where they live in Danville. And I just remember thinking how interesting that was and how fortunate we were to to find that, that we could have the Stanford level of care, you know, so close to our home instead of having to drive so far. You know, they were anticipating that this process was going to require them to go to the hospital multiple times a week because Eileen needed chemotherapy before she could do this surgery. That was going to be a huge part of their life, trying to get her to the hospital, staying there with her, often for days. And so that really appealed to them. But the way that they were most assured that they could receive quality care there is when they met with doctors there and when they met with Stanford specialists at John Muir Health. And they were told they could do, you know, her whole treatment there, including her surgery. Basically, I mean, they did say, like, in these words, like, we can treat her. She can be cured. It was the Stanford brand and, um, you know, sort of that, the halo around that brand that attracted us to, to John Muir. Because we had never heard of John Muir. I didn't even know the hospital was there. Um, I only found it because I was looking at Stanford. Okay, so Eileen's parents are made confident by the John Muir Stanford partnership, but we sadly know how this ends. The surgery isn't successful, and Eileen dies on the operating table. Your story details what happened during the procedure. She loses a significant amount of blood. Her potassium levels rose to dangerous levels, and eventually her heart stops several times. The surgery team informs Tom and Trucot what was happening, and now they're forced to make this decision that no parent wants to make. Matthias, what did the Jong family share about those last moments of their daughter's life? Oh, that was gut-wrenching. Yeah, we met with the Jongs at their house, and they walked us through these moments. And it was it was just really hard to hear and watch them describe it, to be honest. So the surgery, after a couple hours, starts to deteriorate and... For about five hours on and off, they're attempting CPR to restart her heart. It would start again. They'd have to restart it. Eventually, the parents are in a waiting room, and they, they've gotten word that this is not going great. They asked if they can stop CPR, and I said no. 
So I asked them if we can go into the OR and see Eileen. I wanted to see Eileen before we made any decisions. And I didn't want her to go in a room full of strangers. So the Zhangs described to us how they were escorted into the operating room, which was technically, you know, not real policy, but they just kept insisting that they'd go there. There was still a lot of blood on the floor and you can tell that they were quickly trying to, you know, like just clean up to make it sort of presentable for us. And eventually they're by her side as a nurse is doing compressions on her chest. Eileen was unrecognizable even by her own parents. I could only tell that it was her because of the thinning hair and her hands, her hands were still hers. They see a room full of like more than two dozen doctors, nurses, staff standing there and some are very emotional. And he mentions this moment where he's, he almost loses his temper. I shouted at the room. I said, what are you guys doing in here? I don't need to be a doctor to know that this isn't right. There's a century worth of expertise and education and knowledge in this room. Do something. Why are you just standing there? Do something. And I think the moment that really stood out to me was like at one point he asked him, can you give Eileen, you know, a jolt of something to maybe make her heart kickstart? And, you know, they, they reluctantly gave her a shot of something. Everyone just kind of stood there and waited. Chuko and I held Eileen's hand and I, and I asked her to jump. Maybe just one more time. You know, we're, we're giving you, we're giving you turbo. And we just waited and nothing happened. And then we walked out. And at that point, they, you know, decided that they'd had enough and um, she'd had enough. And they allowed the doctors to stop. And they had this image that they told us about where, after they left for the night to go home to tell her older sisters what had happened, they talked about walking the empty stroller down this hallway back to their car. There wasn't really anyone to walk us out. So we left on our own to find our way out. And we walked pushing her empty stroller. And that was the longest walk I've ever had to make. Having parents of a child who just died in your OR walk out on their own, just kind of didn't feel right. It just kind of felt like someone should have been there. And that was sort of an example of like, maybe they didn't have things in place for these situations. More with Matthias, Cynthia, and the Jongs after a quick break. How did John Muir Health explain what happened to Eileen? What answers did they provide to the Zhang family? Also, we'll hear from Dr. Alicia Kalamis, the doctor who warned that Eileen's death would happen under the care of John Muir Health. (music) 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Matthias, before the break, we heard Tom Jong describe the traumatizing death of his daughter, two-year-old Eileen Jong. Did the Jongs get any sort of explanation from John Muir Health that satisfied them? No, and they frankly, that has been a, a big um, sticking point with them, how they felt like they had just a million questions and no answers. So for, in the weeks after they started asking for, you know, can we have a sit down where we talk to the surgical team and ask what happened. And much of that time, they didn't hear back anything. They did file a complaint with the state about the surgery. And on the one month anniversary of Eileen's death, they had a sit down with um, hospital officials. Tom was trying to get any information he can about why her heart stopped. Why did her heart stop? And they kept dancing around the question he said, until finally he recalled them giving a few possibilities of different things that may have happened where she may have had an air embolism. There may have been an infection due to the transfusions, nothing concrete. And frankly, they told us they left that meeting somewhat almost weirdly satisfied, even though they had no firm answers because they actually got to talk to someone. They were just desperate to do that. Mm. And it started a transition for them where they felt like, you know, we just may never know the full answer here and we may have to move on with our lives. So, Cynthia, it's been more than two years since Eileen had this surgery that resulted in her death. Do we know at this point, decidedly, what was the cause of her death? So what we did to try to get to the bottom of that as much as we could is we consulted with pediatric liver surgeons, with pediatric anesthesiologists. And what we had to review is the medical record that the Jongs were given from John Muir Health. And so for those who agreed to speak directly to her case, they all offered, you know, somewhat differing theories based on their areas of expertise on what went wrong but all took issue with how the surgery was conducted or with the hospital or surgical team's experience with complex liver surgeries. And, you know, one of the things they kept coming back to was that this type of surgery is best handled in a pediatric liver center where you've got a team of surgeons and nurses and anesthesiologists where this is really all they do is complex liver surgeries. And so specifically with her record, though, you know, they pointed to several parts of the record where they really had questions about the decisions that the team made. And one of the big ones, and that is also echoed in the Jong's lawsuit, is that the anesthesia team, before Eileen's heart stopped for the first time, had transfused her with a huge amount of blood relative to what they had estimated she had lost. And that blood was also heavily weighted towards red blood cells as opposed to plasma, which has proteins that Matthias mentioned that help the blood to clot. And so what they said is this 
could have set her up to bleeding heavily, which is what ended up happening. And you can see in Eileen's record that her potassium is at very high levels. And at the same time, her heart keeps stopping during the surgery. Matthias, you mentioned that you found what happened to Eileen after you wrote about the lawsuit of a whistleblower doctor, Dr. Alicia Kalamis. The Chronicle investigation involved reviewing thousands of pages of medical documents and other testimonies, but red flags had already been raised before Eileen's surgery. Tell me about those warnings. The surgery happened November 12th, 2019, and about Two weeks before, there was an anesthesiology director's meeting. Dr. Kalamis was one of them. And she's on this call, and suddenly Dr. Uh, Jeffrey Pogue, who's the head of pediatric anesthesiology at John Muir, he starts kind of, you know, talking about very excitedly about this new case that's coming. It's going to be a two-year-old girl. And she's going to that there was plans to do a large procedure called a hepatectomy or liver resection surgery. And I had concerns because I knew that we were not prepared as an organization to undertake such a large surgery. And as she's hearing this, Dr. Kalamis mouth is dropping saying like, hold on, I used to work at UCSF where they did liver resections. And that's like the Navy SEALs of the medical world, right? And here we're at a community hospital where we do hernia surgeries, we do appendectomies, we do fairly basic surgeries, pediatric surgeries, and it's just not in our wheelhouse or our capabilities to do a surgery of the magnitude of a liver resection. So she spoke up that, you know, she doesn't think that we're ready. Um, And I further explained that at the major academic centers that the the people who they have taking care of patients with Eileen's condition, have significant experience and training, and that it would be very deceptive to tell Eileen's parents that we could safely take care of her at John Muir Health. You know, Dr. Kalamis in emails and in uh, talking with us kind of memorialized these conversations she had in the next few days with Dr. Pogue, her boss, who was the head of the uh, anesthesiologist's department. So she speaks to these officials and starts voicing her concerns, saying that this is going to be a clean kill. This patient will bleed out. If we do this, this is not something we should do. Part of the reason that I came forward and had grave concerns about John Muir moving forward with Eileen's case is because Eileen's was not the first pediatric death. There were two children who had died prior to Eileen, and that was part of the reason I was so concerned that they had decided to move forward with such a complex, high-risk procedure. She frankly thought her warnings that she was putting out would have stopped the surgery. So she thought the surgery was stopped, and it wasn't until days after Eileen died that she got a phone call that she had passed away, and she was furious. She was, you know, on the ground sobbing, and then she very quickly became furious because she had put the warning signs out there. And she wasn't the only one. According to the lawsuit, there was nurses as well who backed out of this because they didn't feel like they were prepared. And the Jongs were not aware that Dr. Kalamis or others had warned that John Muir Health wasn't equipped to manage Eileen's surgery. They didn't know about those red flags, right? Yeah, they had no inkling that Dr. Kalamis 
existed, that she put up red flags, that nurses also put up red flags. I remember when I first reached out to them, they were just desperate for any answers that I could give. And they were so curious. And frankly, they were shocked that they had never been told that people were raising concerns. And Tom said, Had I known that Dr. Kalamas had those concerns, there's no version of the story where I would not have taken Eileen to a different hospital. How, how could we have not known about any of this for more than two years? Now, Cynthia, as you mentioned, Tom and Truco, Eileen's parents, have filed a lawsuit against Omir Health, claiming that the surgical team in particular, the anesthesiologists were inexperienced. But state investigators looked into the case and found, quote, no deficiencies. So what is the Zhang's family's argument now? One of the things that their lawyer told us is that the state investigation wouldn't have necessarily taken allegations of malpractice or negligence by the doctors into consideration. And we're trying to actually find out more about the investigation as well. And so are the Jongs. So they have been in touch with the California Department of Public Health following up to try to see what exactly they investigated and what they took into consideration when making that finding. They were basically told to get to the bottom of that. They would have to subpoena those records. So we're hoping to find out more about that investigation and what it considered in the future. So I I want to ask both of you, I mean, this is such a sensitive and hard topic, and you spent a lot of time with Tom and Truco. What is life like for them now? The Zhangs still incorporate Eileen into their lives every day. Uh, We were there when they had a dinner, made pasta. They had a whole setting for Eileen. They put out a plate of pasta for her. Her sister, you know, carved out some cheese to put on top. Uh, There's some bread if you want. She loves bread, so give her a small... Tom poured in uh, her drink and put in three ice cubes like Eileen wanted it, preferred it. And they ate while her place setting sat in front of an empty chair. Um, They carry her urn around when they're cooking and doing things so that her, her ashes are near them. The last two years, for the most part, they started running this support group chapter where they got a lot of help um, talking to other parents um, in similar situations that helped them immensely in their in their grief. But they always had this question in the back of their mind. One of the hardest things is guilt and not knowing what happened. And believe me, we live with the guilt, but we both live with not knowing what happened. And so they were constantly wondering, but they kind of had resigned themselves that maybe this is just something we're never going to find out about. And that's frankly why they are talking to us and why they're launching a lawsuit is to get those answers. And Cynthia, of course, this brings into scrutiny the partnership between John Muir and Stanford and the abilities that they claim they have. What do you think the Jongs are hoping to achieve with their case now that this story is out? We talk to the Jongs a lot about this, and it's something that they, you know, they've thought a lot about. They said their hope is first and foremost to help prevent anything like this from happening to a family whose children may be in a similar situation. And then also to prompt change at John Muir, including stricter guidelines for surgeries like this and increased transparency. So we have an opportunity to do this for ourselves, for Eileen, 
for our family to find out the truth. Because the more we find out, the more we know, the more we realize we don't know about that day. We want to be clear that we're not out for revenge. We're looking for justice. Cynthia Dizikas and Matias Gaffney are investigative reporters at The Chronicle. Their story about John Mayer Health and the death of Eileen Jong is online now at sfchronicle.com and on the Chronicle app. Thank you to Cynthia and Matias for sharing their reporting with me, to Chronicle photographer Bronte Whitpin for collecting the interview audio with the Jongs that you heard in this episode. All other audio is courtesy of the Jong family. Thank you to Tom and Trucot Jong for also sharing their story. John Muir Health provided a response to the Chronicle's story. In a two-page statement, the hospital's leaders said Eile had been frail due to her illness and chemotherapy treatment and that she was, quote, provided extraordinary care. The hospital executive said, quote, the surgeons who performed the procedure each had more than 10 years of experience and that two internal reviews and a state report found no problems with her treatment. John Muir Health executives also acknowledged that former medical director Dr. Alicia Kalamis had questioned the hospital's ability to perform the surgery. They said that she lacked direct knowledge of Eileen's case to, quote, make an informed, authoritative determination. The hospital's leaders disputed the allegation that John Muir Health places profit over patient safety. The statement reads, quote, Our pediatric program and affiliation with Stanford Children's Health is driven by a single goal, ensuring parents and our community have immediate access to high-quality care for their children. They continue, quote, To the Jong family, we keep you in our thoughts and regret that others attempt to exploit your loss. To read the full statement by John Muir Health, please visit sfchronicle.com. This episode was produced by me and edited by Taya Francesca Price. Thanks for listening. <laughs>